Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Straight up 6 o'clock in the Music City means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, your host as always on Twitter at jmartzone. Follow me there. Telephone number 615-737-1045. Taking you straight into the Hall of Fame game. Just stick with The Zone all night long. So we're going to have a truncated kind of a half show tonight and a lot to get to on one topic. But as you know, unfortunately, Jonathan Cyprian... Safety out with a torn ACL. I was standing there when it happened yesterday, and I had no idea it was an ACL. He got back up, and I was standing next to Dave McGinnis, and I said, oh, he looks fine. Turns out he's not. Really sad for him. Good guy, and I can't even imagine having your season taken out, especially after working out with the rest of the DBs and being so tight with them, as Logan Ryan told the Midday 180 earlier today and how they worked out at Mount Juliet High School. It's just, it's just absolutely awful. But what it means is Kenny Vaccaro, Eric Reed. Mike Mitchell, Lardarius Webb, all are going to visit with the Titans. Somebody, some veteran, is going to fill that hole. We will know more, and we will talk about it more. I'll be at Centennial tomorrow as well, along with 3HL. My show will broadcast from there. Hope to see a lot of you out. That's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow and on Saturday as well at Nissan Stadium. Folks, I've talked to you about trust, and I've talked to you about decisions, and I've talked to you about authenticity. If authenticity is what we all crave, if it's what we desperately wish to believe exists within ourselves, then disingenuousness is the opposite. Nobody out there within the sound of my voice wants to be described as insincere. Nobody wants to be called duplicitous. You don't want to be known as false. Nobody does. Remember, I've said a few times I read an idea recently that basically said we should take every moment of our lives and put it through this litmus test. When the moment itself is long gone and when it's nothing but a story, either you're telling or someone else is telling, what do you want that story to say? Being caught in deceit. Being caught in fraud is almost worse than a spur-of-the-moment crime of passion. Now, I'm not talking necessarily in terms of heinousness, but in terms of lasting reputation. Because, folks, once I can't trust you, once I see you as a fraud, there's absolutely nothing I can offer you of myself anymore other than prayers and forgiveness. And without going into too much detail here, I I want to describe forgiveness to you in the way that it was described to me a few months ago. It was a life-changing explanation for me. I want to share it with you. You've heard forgive and forget. 
but you do have to realize those are two different things because forgetting is nearly impossible. But here's how it was laid out to me. Forgiveness is best described as canceling a debt, usually canceling a debt that can never be repaid. If you can't let that debt go, it controls you far more than it controls the debtor. When you forgive, you are telling yourself, you are in your head saying, I know what happened here. I know what I feel I'm owed in this situation, but I'm choosing to cancel that debt. I'm choosing to free myself from whatever that burden is and to free that other person from my future anger. I am moving on with life. But that doesn't mean you're not going to think of that incident again. It doesn't mean that it's going to disappear from that story. It just means it no longer controls you. We can forgive mistakes, but what it's incredibly difficult to do is to forgive repeat offenders of trust and authenticity. We do it, or at least I do forgive, but that forgiveness doesn't mean I allow that same situation to happen again. Thus, I can't hire Urban Meyer. I can't defend Urban Meyer. I can merely move on from Urban Meyer, wish him the best, and never do business with him again. You can love a fool to death, but that love does not mean that you're going to ask him to guard that shoebox full of your money. I might think Urban Meyer is a tremendous, transcendent football coach. That doesn't mean I'm handing over my son to play for him. The judgment involved, or in this case, the lack thereof, means you move on from him and you find somebody else. And that's what Ohio State's got to do in this situation. They're going to have to move on from him. That doesn't mean that Urban Meyer is pure evil forever or he's doomed for all eternity. But he's turned a blind eye on multiple occasions to unacceptable, criminal, abhorrent behavior for the sole purpose of winning football games. And that means if he's to have a second act or a third act or whatever it is in his coaching career... That's not going to be on my watch if I'm an AD anywhere in this country. The pressure to win games took over Urban Meyer's soul. Earlier this morning, I was on syndicated national radio with a friend of mine, Jeff Schwartz. He played at Oregon. Then he spent eight years in the NFL on the offensive line. He told me a story of one of his teammates who he texted with last night that played for Urban Meyer at Utah. This guy said... He never he doesn't he he's he thinks it's kind of crazy. He never saw any of this Urban Meyer. He didn't see the Urban Meyer that he became at Florida while he was the coach in Salt Lake City. He wasn't maniacal. He wasn't over the edge. He created a solid environment. I thought about that as Jeff was saying this and then it made total sense to me. Urban Meyer didn't feel any pressure to win at Utah. He's a brilliant football coach so he won at Utah. But Utes fans aren't going to put his head on the pike and riot outside his house if he wins six games a year. It's Utah. Success at Utah led him to Gainesville. And then all of a sudden you see what a big fish used to a smaller pond becomes when that same fish is picked up and transported into the Atlantic Ocean. For Urban Meyer to matter in a positive way at Florida or certainly in Columbus, He had to win double-digit games a year and compete for national championships year in and year out. So all the sanctimony and all the talk of being morally and ethically above the line 
began to change. At least internally, it began to fade inside Urban Meyer. I read to you yesterday directly from the New York Times the start of an article that listed the 31 separate arrests that occurred with Florida players between 2005 and 2010. Now, Meyer may have always been this guy, but the stress and maybe, just maybe, the addictive drug of winning and what it breeds took over his world. Winning gives you fame, it gives you power, it gives you influence, it gives you control, it makes you rich, and it creates a legacy, among other things. Once winning gets into the bloodstream, once the rewards that accompany it find their way inside you, it becomes very difficult to escape that bubble, especially when you're a college football coach that seems to be insulated from the actual world. We've had callers to this station today, and I talked to some this morning and on social media that have all sorts of theories to explain why Urban Meyer's innocent, Courtney Smith's a loon, and he did nothing wrong. I feel sorry for these folks. I truly do. I hope never to care enough about whether or not my school of choice can win a championship that I'll go to the mat for a disingenuous coach that chooses to cover up or attempt to ignore a serial domestic abuser. These are games, folks. It's sports. It's not, it's not nuclear winter. It's not life and death. Fandom is fantastic. It makes things so much fun. It's why we come to work and do this particular job. It's why I feel blessed to be able to sit behind this microphone and talk about this escapist entertainment that we love to call sports in this country. But fandom can also become a problem. College football coaches have entirely too much power in America. I said that yesterday. In many states in this country, the most famous man in that state is not the governor, not the senator, not even the most known entertainer. The most famous guy is the man that coaches that state's biggest known football team. There's not even a debate. Nick Saban's the most famous and powerful man in Alabama. No question John Calipari wields more recognition than Governor Matt Bevin in Kentucky. In South Carolina, Dabo Swinney might be approaching that. In State College, Pennsylvania, Joe Paterno basically was that entire city. Because of it, enabling became a matter of just treating the coach as if anything that might harm him was below his pay grade or below his purview. Folks, if you're an Ohio State fan and you're sad today because the Buckeyes probably ain't winning the natty now, you've done life wrong. Priorities matter. And far too many people have them way out of whack. One of those people, apparently, and for quite some time, has been Urban Meyer. This is not someone that should be in a position that many view as a father figure style job to impressionable young adult minds. People actually look up to these guys. And that's sad because we don't virtually know any of them past what they allow us to see or what people like Brett McMurphy had the talent to uncover. And thank goodness reporters like him still exist in this society. The larger theme is disingenuousness. We're not going to have much time in the second segment. I'm going to give you a quick list of six, including someone that came on these airwaves today, was summarily destroyed by our own Chad Withrow and showed just what a disingenuous human being he is stick around for that big six 104.5 the zone zone 
All right, we got like five and a half minutes. We're going to do as much as we can in that five and a half minutes. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone Hall of Fame game is next. Lamar Jackson. Just want to see what he does tonight. Quite frankly, Pete Yorn is bringing us back. I talked about disingenuousness. And Urban Meyer is a prime example of it. I have a list of six. We're not going to go through all of the sound bites and all of those kinds of things, but I will lay them out and I'll get to number six. Urban Meyer is number one. Lance Armstrong is number two. Bill Belichick is number three. Sammy Sosa, Rafi Palmero, Ryan Braun, that triumvirate and others like them, number four. Phil Mickelson, to me, is number five. And number six happened to come on to our airwaves earlier today. If you want to hear disingenuousness, if you want to hear insincerity and falseness, listen to Dan Wolken from the Midday 180. But the text messages read, great hire man, seriously, from you. John Curry responds, going to need some help on the PR. Our people are wacko. You go on to respond, I'll help. Not sure they'll listen. LOL. I know he's a very good coach and is about the right stuff. Joe Rex wrote, your friend writes, cringe. I wish Wolken simply would have replied, I already thought highly of Shiano, and I will write it. Do you regret that one response to John Curry looking back at it? Yeah, I can't get into any conversation uh, that was off the record with a source. And I know what has been out there published uh, under Freedom of Information Act, but just as, as a reporter and somebody who deals with people in an off-the-record manner all the time, um, just sort of my personal ethic and I think pretty much anyone who's ever had a source or had a relationship uh, that helps them with, with news gathering would tell you that um, even if the conversation later becomes public, uh, you stick to the terms of the agreement you made with the source. That's disingenuousness, folks. I've got another cut. Let's go ahead and play the second one, if you would, Mr. Mudd. Well, next time you know, I send you a direct message with my phone number and say I'd be happy to give you some background, uh, you should take me up on that and call me. Well, last time I did, I invited you on that day to talk about it, and you gave me the no comment on your sources, and that was the day that story broke. So we passed because that was the story of the day. Well, I was happy to provide you with some context and some background. I wasn't going to come on and talk about uh, text messages because, as we talked about here, but, um, you know, I'm happy to always talk. I'm happy. I'm as open and transparent as I can possibly be. Uh, but, you know, I appreciate some professional courtesy when I reach out and am willing to, to give some information. Dan, you got it, man. I, I, I gave you professional courtesy, and I invited you on the show, and you said you couldn't talk about what was the story of the day. This would be like Nixon refusing to talk about Watergate in 73. So you understand why we passed on the interview that day? Well, no, I, I thought I passed, actually, but that's fine. I you did pass the interview, but don't yeah. accuse me of not giving you professional courtesy. I invited you to come on the show. At that yeah, point. but I, that's that's all I'm saying. But as as you know, there are certain things I could talk about on the show, and certain things I couldn't talk about on the show. As I laid out very clear, and I was happy to talk about the things I could talk about, and I was going to maybe give you some other stuff, but you didn't want it, so it's fine. Have a great day. Happy to come on anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dan. Do you know what disingenuous people do? You know what false people do? They pass the buck. Off the record with a source we all know. We saw the texts and the 13-year-old's emojis. Foy approved it. He's claiming his own personal ethics is Dan Wolken. You know, you know who else did that? 
Urban Meyer. He wrote a book about it. He wrote a book about it. All the people that I mentioned in that list, passing the buck, claiming ignorance, acting aghast that anyone would even care about whatever the issue is, that, that they're just above it all. And then they point at those people that do care and attempt to discredit them. For Dan Wolken, it was Tennessee fans. For Lance Armstrong, it was every other cyclist. For Sammy Sosa, Rafi Palmero, Ryan Braun, it was anybody else. For Phil Mickelson, it was a course he didn't like, a lie he told that he then came around to and apologized for in Golf Magazine. And for Urban Meyer, the boogeyman, the one that had to be discredited, was Brett McMurphy. Again, Urban Meyer wrote a book about being above the line. He wrote a book about it in 2015. I look very forward to reading the book that's going to be written about him now. Again, ladies and gentlemen, think about it. When a moment becomes a story, what do you want that story to say? Hall of Fame football is next. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. See you tomorrow from from, uh, Centennial.